in your service bulletin, there is a prayer card, and we have uh, distributed them to you so that you can uh, give us a new uh, set of prayer requests for which we will pray on Wednesday nights. Um, put the date on there. Please print your name. Uh, we may want to contact you for a testimony or whatever the Lord might be doing. And uh, what we do with these is uh, we distribute them to our prayer people that gather on Wednesday night, people who are willing to, to lay down their agenda and pick up your problems and pray for them. And we will do that for 30 days. So if you put the date on there, it's uh, 1514 in case you need help with that. And uh, we... Uh, We'll be delighted to pray, and uh, you can submit these things. You don't have to wait till we stuff the service bulletin with them, but these cards are always available at the info center, and we welcome the opportunity to pray with you. Thank you for coming. Uh, I didn't know what we were supposed to do with reference to um, canceling the service because... Um, some were having trouble getting out of their neighborhood. Some, some of, like the kids' workers, some of them were not going to be able to make it. Well, you know, you can say, well, bless God, we're going to have church service. But if all these people show up, and there's not any workers to take care of our little people. The parents would just not know what to do. We don't, no, we don't take care of our kids at church, right? I mean, I'm sorry, that was a little bit of a smack. You're always the parent, okay? You're always responsible. We want to help you. We want to do all we can to make you extremely successful in this. But at any rate, you braved this. And so this morning, um, it was about eight and, and Eunice and I live straight across the highway down in, in that um, river bottom, back behind a school. And it's kind of flat for the first, whatever, several blocks. And then, and then it starts up a hill because we have to get up to this height, and this is, this is several feet in elevation above where we live. So there is a curve at the top of the hill where it kind of becomes a real little hill, uh, kind of steep. And so we made that, uh, I'm, I'm coming and my car is as good as yours if it's just a front wheel drive car, heavy, and uh, tires are decent. So I've got up enough speed so that I can make it on around the, the curve up the hill. However, the front end wants to slide, and I'm saying, stop that. And so I have to, because I have to slow down, see, to pull it back over. Well, I don't want to slow down because that's, that hill can stop you. And then I have to back all the way back down and try to get up 30 miles an hour again going up that hill. Well, I made it after I rebuked the car a couple of times, and... Uh, uh, Somebody said something about the fear factor, and I said, it's not the fear factor, it's the anger factor. But anyway, um, we got here, and uh, so I was, I was um, still trying to decide, and Dennis and I were talking on the phone, and I, I talked to, uh, I said, I think I'll call Kristen, because I knew she had to be here and have a team, for sure, if we're going to have a worship time, a singing worship time. So I uh, called her, and they were on the road. Hadn't had any trouble getting out of their neighborhood, and they were on I-70. She said, it's going kind of slowly because of just one lane open, but uh, 
uh, I said, well, I think, I think we'll just go with, since her team was going to be here, I, I, we'll just go with what we had planned and the ones that get here, get here. And, and she said, oh, thank you. She said, I, I just got all of them ready. And I <laughs> she didn't, want, didn't want to waste all that. You moms know what that's about. Maybe even some dads. So thank you for coming. And it, it, is, so, it is so great. I remember uh, the first, I get. Now, we dismissed a Wednesday night service because there was a tornado sighted at Belton. And that's the right, that's the right angle to get to this hill on a Wednesday night. So we, we pulled the trigger about 5.30 that night and sent everybody home that was already in the building. And, um, but years and years ago, I canceled, a, we had canceled Sunday services. We'd had a foot of snow and on top of that about eight inches. And uh, on that Saturday, as it was still snowing, I wrecked my car. And, and uh, so I decided to cancel. Well, Sunday morning at 7.30, two of our guys were standing on my front step in shorts to take me to breakfast. And I thought, I made a mistake. And so it's been real hard for me to cancel church. And if you can get here, be very, very careful and just get here. If you can't make it, please don't get under some kind of condemnation. If you're a worker, call your supervisor. But thank you for coming. We are, we are so blessed and what I, what I have in my heart, and I think maybe the Lord will help us with this, is uh, I said, well, maybe we'll have half the crowd and twice the blessing of God. Would you be for that? Thank you so much for coming. I want to talk about the prize. And as, as we look at what's going on in our culture and all of the changes and the power brokers, many of them in the media and in government and in the uh, uh, judicial system have completely turned over to another mindset about what is holy, what is right, what freedom is. And if you're a Christian, you don't have as much freedom in some areas as if you were an atheist or a Muslim. Have you noticed that? Or am I just paranoid? I'm not paranoid. I'm persecuted. That was supposed to be a joke. You missed it. That's for the behavioral science people. But anyway, we think times are rough. We think sinfulness and worldliness is, is even in the church. And uh, there is a, there's a group on Facebook that uh, are holier than any of the rest of them. And I, I heard some of our, of our national officials talking about this group, and I so I signed up for it so I could see what they were saying. Well, they're just holier than the rest of us. And, and of course, I'm a member of that group, so I can read it. But it's like, you know, it'd be nice if we looked for something beside failure. And maybe, maybe God made you that way. I know that he does make people that see mistakes and see wrong. And see things that need to be improved. It's kind of like everybody when it comes to custodial stuff. If you have ever been a custodian, you know that everyone is a building inspector. Everyone, it seems like. God bless you. Uh, you're still in with the Lord after that. I'm praising God for that because 
you know, we don't see it if it's clean, but if there's a spot on it, we see it. Well, we've got to be really careful about that, and I want us as a body. Now, if God made you so that you see the wrong, it's just very clear to you, you ask him for wisdom how to help and strengthen the hand of the people that can bring this around and make it better because we are in, if you listen to me, you know that we are into let's do it better, let's grow, so forth. We're going to get there in a minute. But we have a need for holiness. So whether you see all the bad or whether you tend to see all the good or whether you're like the rest of us somewhere in the middle, we have this scripture that we, I want you to hear what Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy with all, with everyone. Okay, they used a different, different translation. Good, because I misspelled this. <laughs> to be holy. And then here is the line, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. What is holiness? Well, that, in, in my, by my definition, is the integration of the Spirit and the will of God into every area of life. Now, some of us, it gets in our face more than any other thing about in how we drive, and others around us especially drive. That's, a, that's an issue. I, if I want to get a response, I can always talk about my frustration in traffic. And you just jump right on that boat with me. However, uh, the, the other one is, of course, um, how our spouse treats us. Okay, you, you, you're really slow. I'm not sure you're even worth it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's yet to be determined. No, we, we need integration. We want Jesus Christ to be integrated into our thought life so that every thought is brought into captivity. Every thought. So that the only thoughts that are not just like Jesus Christ are just temptations that go through there, and those are not sins. Don't get under condemnation if you, if you have a murderous thought in traffic. First of all, don't kill them, okay? Don't even give them hand gestures. I mean, just, you know, that's a temptation. There is such a thing as temptation and not sin. You know that. And when you uh, get angry, don't go, to, don't go to sleep that way. I told you one time about our, our neighbor church had, a, uh, <clears throat> had their main Bible teacher, and he wrote a book about charismatics, and he named in the book the Assemblies of God as a cult. And really smart, you can tell my level of wisdom and brilliance, I started reading that on a Sunday night after church. And I read about 60% of it, and I was so mad I could have died. And so now I'm trying to go to sleep, and I have taught you forever and ever, never go to bed angry. Don't go to sleep mad. Get over it. Deal with it. Don't go to sleep because you, you shove that down and it comes up as depression. And the scripture says, don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that sort of foothold. 
So I'm at 10, 11 o'clock at night, walking the floor, praying, trying to get this out of my heart. I don't really want to kill him. I just want to embarrass him and humiliate him. I'm beyond murder. I've grown beyond murder. And that was so bright. I'm, you know, hello. Well, I'm brighter than some because I never did that again. <laughs> and I finally got my spirit clear enough that I, I could go to sleep and, and be at peace. So, see, we've got to have this integration. Never go to bed angry. We've got to have our mind clear. We've got to have our conversation clear. Uh, it is not cool. It is not cool to see how much like the world you can, as far as the vocabulary is concerned, especially in expletive lists, how much like them you can be and still kind of maybe be a Christian, maybe have a Christian testimony. Some people will tolerate more, some less. Don't do that. Develop your vocabulary. Read something. When you don't know the word, look it up. You can get, you can get apps for your phone and look up the words. There are dictionary apps. I just loaded one the other day. Do it. And then, of course, the acts. We've got to have integrated into us the graciousness of Jesus Christ. Now, this is good, folks. Holiness, without which you, you won't see the Lord. Holiness is the integration. It is wholeness, to put a W in front of that. And, and it, it, it wraps around everything. About, it's not about my ego. It's not about what I like or dislike. It's about what the Spirit is saying. And you learn, first of all, almost everything that the Spirit is saying in the Scripture. You will not be able to be holy and holiness without being in the Word. So this is just uh, additional free stuff. I hope you paid for the rest of this, but that was free. Now, where we're headed to, to this morning is Philippians 3, beginning with verse 10, where Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His suffering becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Um, first of all, forgetting what is behind. Now, if you have been in the Lord a while and have had some serious blessings in your past, been to revival. Some of us went to Pensacola, Florida in the middle 90s. Uh, Eunice and I were there, well, I, no, I, I, I went once without her. I was there five times. I think Eunice was there four times. There was one Sunday when there were 55 of us from this congregation there. Revival, a power of God, people were being changed. I was changed in that revival 
people were being saved. We had some people that grew up in this congregation that came to the Lord that are walking with God today, and I wasn't sure they'd ever get that together, you know. Well, just, just the power of God. And that was wonderful, and I think back on that and just enjoy it, but you must not attach any more significance to it than thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, that was such a blessing. Don't attach anything else to that. In the first place, God is going to do it a different way next time. Yes, he will. There will be similarities. Our, our bodies and our, our souls respond to the power of God in similar fashions from time to time to time. People uh, in the scripture fell down when they started to arrest Jesus. And he said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And they just went clunk. What is fascinating to me is that they jumped back up and arrested him. Boy, they're bright. I mean, I'm good. I'm smart compared to them. That was blockaded beyond blockadedness. But it had to happen because our sins and theirs had to be dealt with, and this was the way the Father intended to deal with it. So people fall down under the, when, when hands are laid on them, and that was one of the kind of uh, earmarks of that re revival that will soon be uh, 20 years ago um, that it started. These, these ministers would touch these people, and it is punk, and they might be down for an hour or two. And uh, that bothers a lot of people who say, well, where it is in Scripture? Well, I, there's a lot of Scriptures about that. The, the one that's most important to me is the one that I just related. But um, the, the important thing here, dear one, is that God will manifest in our lives and we will react in different ways from time to time or in the same way sometimes. That's not the issue. Do not get hung up on the outside stuff. Get hung up on the power of God, the giving of God. What is God doing? What is he saying? How are lost people coming to the Lord? How are people being healed? How are people being set free from bondages, demons, leaving lives, being unhooked from tormenting? If that's all taking place, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you don't like it when people fall over, uh, you don't have to like it. It's not a test that I know of. Dislike it all you want. But don't look back in a sense of hanging on, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. What is ahead? There's so much talk about this. I, I love it from year to year. It's the same stuff. Posts about, I think I'll not do... Uh, New Year's resolutions, I think I will, or mine is, or, you know, and we have the same thing annually. And some of us, that's been a lot of times. And um, here is, you strain toward what is, I press, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. And the people who settle down and say, I'm going for the real deal. I want what God has for me in this life. I want to be fully saved in the sense of the holiness, the integration stuff, 
and then I want to get all the works done for which I was saved, because you were saved to do good works, not by good works, but to do good works. God wants some mileage out of your life in his kingdom. And if you're not giving that, why not? It, I think you're having to resist the spirit if that's not happening. And I don't want to put a guilt trip on you, but just let's, let's hold ourselves before the Lord, sort of like, Lord, let's don't say, I'm just wonderful. My sins are all forgiven. I'm right with you. If I fall over dead right now, I'm straight into your presence. But if I stay here, I want to get, the, I want to get this right with you, with what you're saying. I want, to, I want it to come forth in a powerful way for your glory. So the prize is out there, and the mature ones think like this. Let's just live up to what we've already learned. Now, in this growth business, Jesus is a wonderful model. In uh, Luke, the second chapter, there are two verses that, that speak about Jesus growing, and the first one speaks about Jesus growing in the grace of God. And the second one says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So here is our goal and our model. Our, our goal is spiritual maturity to grow up. And you know that in Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good. The goal of that, you know that? You did read verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. He wants you looking just like Jesus. Are you looking just like Jesus? Are you treating your spouse as if Jesus were standing there? Someone said to me, uh, in, or in my hearing a while ago, we were talking about how you treat your spouse, and, and uh, they said, Somebody said, uh, treat your spouse like a stranger. That is, with respect, you watch out what you say because you don't know what might hurt them, what might not, not be acceptable, what would set up a wrong thing. Treat them well. We need this integration. And uh, this is what the Lord is doing now uh, so that we can be like Jesus and let me just give you this picture again. When we stand before God as the church of Jesus Christ, our spirits are clean and clear. When the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin, all sin has been cleansed. And when the Spirit of God comes in and becomes one with your spirit, It doesn't get any cleaner than that. You'll never be cleaner than that in your spirit. So then the Lord sets up a, a work that we can grow. And you read the epistles in the New Testament, and they all talk about this thing like I'm talking this morning. It's all about growth and do this, don't do that, be this, don't be that, and so forth. So it's, it's, and that's not about being saved. That's not about being saved. That's about being sanctified, if you want to use that word. Holiness, which is a very important word. I like, I like to use integrated 
because that's, to me, the best definition I've ever heard. It's, it's God everywhere in your life. Everywhere. And if we have that, then we have what we need. So Jesus showed us the way. Now, our job as, as clergy people is listed in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, beginning with verse 11. It was he, that is Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And here's why. To prepare God's people for works of service, that is, get your work done. Did you ever hear that before? Let's get our work done so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Attain, how mature? Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Boy, there is so much here. But I, I want to go on. It says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will, in all things, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The first thing that I get out of this passage that speaks to my heart is unity. This is one body that the Lord has created, and that means that you're one with people around the world who know Jesus Christ as Savior. You're a part of that body. Now, it's hard for us to imagine that because we will never meet them in this life. So let me just bring it right inside these walls, and if you're not regularly a part of this congregation, Bear with me because I think this will fit you too. So we, we want to grow up, no longer be infants. When, when something goes across the congregation or goes across your mind that is not unity-based, it does not build up the oneness of the body of Jesus Christ, we've got to grow out of that. When you get pulled into that sort of thing, you are demonstrating a selfishness and an immaturity. May you be blessed. I know that that just blessed your socks. I mean, say, well, praise God, we got our pastoral blessing for 2014. Uh, no, it's really true. Don't do that. If someone has a problem and you're the person that needs to go to them, go to them. It's, it's confrontation is not the mark of the beast. Gossip is, almost. So, so be sure not to take the mark, honey. Uh, that would be really scary. And if somebody wants to come to you and dump what somebody else did, something they don't like, something that's just awful. You just can't imagine how awful this is. And they cry when they tell you about it. It's so awful, okay? If somebody wants to do that, you listen to them and don't get into that. Understand their feeling. 
Part of it's to jerk you, I think. How do you like being manipulated? I dislike it. Listen to them and then say, how can I help you with this? Because it's their problem. They're talking about somebody else's problem, but it's not somebody else's problem. If it were somebody else's problem, they'd be talking to them. This is their problem. How can I help you with this? And if they don't give the right answer, and they rarely do, the right answer would be to just humble themselves and say, you know what, I'm out of, I'm out of it. I am so out of being right with God. Pray for me. Help me. Guide me to get my thoughts back together so that I am one in Christ with these people. So if they, if they come back with anything else, say, now, you know you're going to have to forgive this person. Many times it didn't even happen to them, but they took up somebody else's offense. Have you ever had that? You ever do that? Do you ever not do that? We do it all the time. But it's okay if you don't embrace it. It's called a temptation. That offense comes in there and you get all mad for somebody else and say, Hold it, Lord. It's not about me. I'm not going to take this trip. I've been on this trip before. I am not going to go there. You know, this is good teaching, folks. This will save your neck. This will save your neck. Not somebody else's. This will save your neck. Now, in that conversation, as you go forward, what you do is say, okay, you know you're going to have to forgive them. And if they just start pushing back like that and they say, and you're going to, if, you're going to have to go to them and get this worked out. And they say, I just got to say, well, I'm going to go tell them. Now, you do that one time. And you probably will never, ever have to listen to gossip again. Just, just one time, go to the person that's being castigated over here. And say, so-and-so is really upset with you. This is what they told me. And if you can do anything to make it right with them, please do so. But I told them I was coming, and here I am. And now I've told you. Boy, oh boy. That will shut off. I tell you. There are two, that, that's one way you never have to listen to, to negative stuff. I've done that as a clergyman. There's, there will always be somebody that's mad at the brass. Just mad. And like what they did. And of course the brass is capable of making huge mistakes. But they want to just spread the word and just get this little army together and just put all kinds of pressure. That sounds like the Holy Spirit, Right? No, it doesn't really, actually. I was, in case you didn't pick up on that, that was sarcasm. Another way that you won't ever have to uh, deal with this, listening to this, is uh, say to this person that's dumping on you, say, uh, you know what you're doing is sinful. This is gossip. Well, I'm telling you this so you can pray. No, you're not. You just wanted to tell me this. And they'll get all offended at you, but the word will get out. And you won't have to put up with that. And some of us were not on anybody's grapevine because the word is out. I remember years and years ago when somebody, one of my colleagues, didn't like Bill Clinton. And I said, you, you know you're supposed to pray for this guy. And he said, 
I'll pray for him, all right. I'll pray he'll get out of there. But I never had to hear it again. Never had to hear that again because I'd already said my little word. Now, that may make me sound holy. God knows and Eunice knows I'm not holy. But there's some of this stuff that I have figured out how I don't have to deal with. And I am secure enough in who I am in the Lord that if I can't have your friendship without listening to your dirt, that's just dumped not to get help. If you come to me for help, dump dirt. Man, I have been told stuff that you'll never know about because I can keep confidences. And I have had a lifelong ministry of counseling. And dump dirt. Don't come in and hold back. That didn't do any good. But, but when you come in like that, see, you're wanting help not just wanting to sway my opinion, dump dirt, castigate somebody, whatever that shallow, sinful thing is. You don't have to put up with that. I love it. You just don't have to. And um, I'd love to hear you say amen, but I'd really rather tell you the truth if I only have one option. So unity is one of the things that we're going to grow up in. Zeal. Dear one, Zeal is huge in God's kingdom. Let the needs of people, whatever it is that God puts on your heart to burden you about your works, let the Holy Spirit burn that until you are zealous. That's not a word we use much in modern English, but it, you know what it means, full of zeal to the extent that we act it out, we act out the help if you are zealous about helping the homeless, you will be gathering up clothes. You will be gathering up blankets in the wintertime. You will be gathering up food year-round to try to help them. That's zeal. Do it. If it's to, if it's to be able to uh, bless little kids, God wants you to teach class or, or teens or adults, whatever. The zeal will cause you to prepare yourself. It's been really interesting through the years when we believe the Lord is coming so soon to take years out of your life and go to school so you can do a good job with what God has called you. That's hard. I remember dealing with that when I was in Bible school. It's weird. And it's not better now because obviously it's 50, 60 years closer <laughs> than it was then. The best thing that I can speak to you about, I think, this morning is this. The enemy has come up into our lives to tear us down and to discourage us. To make it so I can't get anything out of the Sunday school lesson. I can't get anything out of worship. I can't get anything out of pastor. He doesn't feed me. We get discouraged. We are so down, and it's, we're, just, we're just getting beat up, beaten up, if you conjugated correctly. Beaten up. Now, the promises of God do not change. Promises of God do not change. The um, just live by 
not sight, not things, not the amount in the bank account, not the position that's very well salaried, not in the household where it's all peaceful and everybody thinks you're just right, you know, the fourth person of the Trinity. The just live by faith. Faith is that which holds as real what you cannot see and you cannot touch. If I could give me and you a shot of faith that would last till Jesus comes so that we could just believe every promise, I'd do it. Well, I can, it, but it, you have to get boosters. So here is what I want for you. I want this business of what God has promised. You know, you, out of money, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things in the list, the, the context there is food, clothing, shelter. All these things will come to you as a matter of course. All of them. If your faith takes hold of that in a certain way, you don't even have to pray about money ever again. If you are, if you are lonely, God's name, one of them is Comforter. And, and I, I think about our people. We have had so many deaths connected to us over the last year. It's just like it's been amazing. And they haven't all been old people or old enough to die in my mind. And uh, when, the, when the needs come up in our lives, we, we want help. We want it now. I need it. Uh, maybe it's getting along with a child or a parent or a spouse or a um, neighbor or extended family or a boss or an employee. Whatever our needs are, let me tell you this. Oh, my goodness. The promises of God are there, and God has already made them. He doesn't have to come down and do anything more. You got a sin problem? Jesus does not have to come down and go back to the cross. It's finished. It's finished. Illness, he is the answer. I prayed for one of us over the phone this past week and got a testimony this morning. Oh, glory to God. And I felt so rotten this person was in such pain. Oh, I hate that. Man, I hate that. I mean, if you're really, really sick and going to die, I at least don't want you to hurt, Okay. <laughs> I guess I've got a tiny bit of mercy in me. I didn't think I did, but I may have some. Or maybe that's just shepherd. I don't know what it is, but I hated that. And you know what? I was still grieving over that after I hung that phone up. But the testimony was, it's not, it's not up to my mental state. It's up to the healer whose name is Jesus Christ. And so here we are, dear ones. We have before us this prize. It is going to be so great to stand in the presence of God. And that, that verse 
those two verses there in Romans 8 where all things work together and the, the thing they work together for is that we might be made conformable to the image of his son. What I see there is beyond that scripture. So if you, I'm not doing damage to scripture because this is pictured other places in scripture. But what I see is God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son and the church of Jesus Christ who looks like a little sister. For all intents and purposes, she is not a street girl. Some of us know ourselves, and we think, oh, Jesus, you're, you're, wor- you're worth more than what you're getting here. We knew that. But that's true of every, every one of us. So here's Jesus, perfect. Here comes this girl who is gorgeous. She is pure. She is virginal. And this is all spiritual, you understand. She is pure. And the Holy Spirit (laughs) walks her up the aisle and gives her to this groom who has paid for her. And she is a match. He is not more holy than she. You say, that, that's making us like God. No, it's not. Don't, don't, don't worry. I'm not, I'm not that much of a heretic. <laughs> but she has been worked over by this Holy Spirit business, and he can do it. And if there is something in you that you don't think God can do or it intimidates you and you say, I don't know whether God can do that or not in my life. I'm such a mess. Let me tell you that the Holy Spirit is larger than your problem. And he can do it. And you will be in that girl. You'll be a part of that girl. And when she stands there, you talk about joy. Jesus has a wife now, and this is not about sex, so don't get some screwball deal going here. Jesus has a wife who is so pure that she can stand with him in the presence of the Father, the creator of the universe, and be a partner with him. You talk about a prize. You talk about a high and holy deal. That's who we are and what God is doing. And I want you to know that it's for you. You are not excluded. If you, if you did what I, if you have done what I did as a teenager, I drew a circle and said, people in there can be saved. And I was on the outside of this. I could never be saved. I had failed God so many times. It was just a screwball, uh, neurotic mess. But I believed it. And it was torment. And if you've, if you've ever messed around with that, come on out. Come on out into the light. Get in this circle where people in this circle can be saved because this circle goes around the entire earth. And if you want to know what God's will is, well, I can tell you what it's not. It's not that any perish. He does not want one to perish. 
I, there are people in the international scene that, that seem to be pretty lost, you know, and they do stuff that I really wish they wouldn't do and, and all that stuff. And yet I find myself able to pray for them and their salvation by saying, Lord, you deserve better than this. You deserve them to come to you and to be filled with light and joy. All their sins be forgiven. All the rotten stuff they have done or want to do, forgiven. You see, he's done it. So I, I, wanted, I want to invite you in. If you're not walking with Jesus, then you've got to come in. Please come in to Jesus. Uh, he's, he's standing with his arms open in front of you, not down here. He's, he's in front of you, and all you have to do is just say, yes, that's what I want, Jesus, and I'm coming in, and you're in. He'll, he'll pick you up there and start working you over like he's working the rest of us over. Then I want this for us here. There are some of you who have prayer needs that are monumental. This year, if the Lord doesn't help, it can be a hard year in a certain area of your life because of this need, whatever it is. It could be, well, there's no need to name it because something came to your mind when I said that, like it did to my mind. And... I want us to make this year, if Jesus waits to come back, I want this year to be one that we make a real mark in the works that we were saved to do. We, we just get a bunch of them done. Are you up for that? May we stand? And I'm going to ask... All of us to come. There's room down here for all of us today. I'm going to ask all of us to come and just stand right up against these steps. And I want us to pray together. You just come right on. Just, just step out. I, I appreciate so much your being here today. I know that for some of you it was a little bit more of a, of a sacrifice than usual. Uh, after I got over my little tantrum with my car I was fine but other than you know but I want us to I want us to believe God that we will be so powerfully united in Christ and then so fastened so fastened on his promises that a that a spirit of discouragement doesn't have a chance there are things that I, if, if I knew you well enough, I could just say one word and a knife would go through your heart. And the enemy can discourage us like that because he knows those buttons. So part of this is I want us to, today to pray that we will keep moving and moving and moving toward that, that testimony that Jesus had. He, he listed it late in John 14. He says, the prince of this world is coming but he doesn't have anything in me. And you know how we have interpreted that is Satan knows where the buttons are and we just kind of move in toward the Lord and he just reaches out and goes tonk and we just go whatever it is. Get mad at your car, whatever, you know. And I want that healed in me and in you so that when a spirit of discouragement comes in you say, well, I wonder how the Lord's going to meet this. 
This is a really good chance for God to show himself. This may be a serious miracle. And we get all excited about a problem. Is that too weird? Some of you are already that weird. And so it's like the rest of you need to know that among us are people who do that. And we're going to listen. It's going to be good. Because your family that's lost, 14 is the year for some of them. I got a breakthrough in my own family in 13. And I'm telling you, it's like, that's one of those things I can't tell you the details. Oh, my goodness. I wish that for you. And I wish that for me and some others <laughs> and other people. But that, that one is kind of complete. You up for that? Let's just cry out to the Lord. Just open your heart. In your own, just build a prayer closet and say, Lord, I, I want this. I want to press toward the prize. I